This is a wireless theatre company download. Angel by Zaley Burrow, with Claire Skinner as Mary and Jamie Glover as Ted. Feel the next contraction. You must push, oh. Mary. Push as hard as you can. I don't think I can do this. Oh. Just one more big push, Mary. That's all it needs, and you will have your baby. Oh my God! Oh. Good, Mary. That's it. Keep pushing. Oh. Keep pushing, Mary. Come oh. on. Don't stop now. Yes. Oh. Yes, Mary. Keep oh. going. Your baby is coming. Oh. We're nearly there. Oh. Here he comes. Oh, Your last push. Oh, well done, Mary. Oh, oh, thank God. Is the baby okay? Why is it not crying? What's wrong with my baby? It's not crying. When Angel came into my life, our lives, it was an incredible day, absolutely incredible. This little screeching bundle with his flailing arms and these comically wrinkled fingers, so full of life, my Angel. You should have seen the hospital room. It was like a different land, a forest of flowers, and the nurses came and went through the sweet scent of lilies. Funny, I can't remember any of their faces. I only had eyes for my boy, you see. Well, I'd waited long enough, and now, at 44 years of age, I was a mother. A mother of a perfect and beautiful baby boy. The next morning, we brought Angel home, Ted and me. We carefully wrapped him in his new knitted blanket and Ted was so proud as he carried his son through the maze of hospital corridors. And that's when I suddenly became overwhelmed with fear. What if Ted slipped on the polished linoleum and Angel was tossed to the floor? I could feel my heart pounding as the enormous responsibility of motherhood smothered me. I felt like retching. The cloying warmth of the hospital air was sickly sweet, and the relief when we reached the front of the building and the door slid wide open, oh, it was wonderful. Chill spring air hit me and Angel took his first outdoor breath, his first sniff of London. We were going to be all right. We were. And then Ted drove us slowly home. My life with Angel was utterly perfect. We were in our own little bubble, and most of the day would float past with nappy changes and breastfeeding. Sometimes we'd have a stroll around the garden and I would tell Angel about all the different birds. We would watch our territorial robin fight off intruders. Sydney, we called him. I had no idea why. We'd marvel at the ever-increasing number of lime-coloured finches squawking across the sky. Angel's head would slowly follow their flight as he looked on in wonder. The tips of their wings were razor sharp. As the weeks passed, Angel got that lovely chubby baby fat. 
The daffodils came and went, leaving their floppy leaves to slowly dry, and they were swiftly replaced with snow-white hellebores. Angel grew as the weather warmed the soil. Ted took rather a back seat in parenting and spent his days at the local library doing research for his book. He would disappear most days from early morning till gone six and sometimes later. I didn't really care, if I'm honest. I liked it just Angel and me. And this is how the months ticked by. Me and Angel, two's company. Besides, I'd not really got the time for Ted now, you see. I was a busy mum. It has to be said he was very accommodating on the whole, although we did have one little tiff about supper. I'd always made Ted a cooked supper, you see, until Angel came along. Sausage and lentil stew was his favourite, and always a bread and butter pudding on a Friday in front of the telly. All very cosy then, but impossible now. Is that you, Ted? Who else would it be? Can you keep the noise down? I've just settled Angel. That's good, then. We can have a chat. Chat? Yes, a chat. I was wondering when we would be having supper together again. There's ham in the fridge, there's bread in the bread bin, butter on the side. No, a cooked supper, together. Like we used to. A stew, perhaps. Something simple. This is the time that I make Angel's vegetable pots up. You know that, Ted? I can't be cooking big suppers too. It's not a restaurant. A stew's hardly a big supper. You just throw some meat in the pot with a bit of this and that, and Bob's your uncle. That's why we bought a slow cooker. You make it sound so simple, and it's not, Ted. Angel needs me. I need you. You've not even asked me once about my book. And besides, when the veg pots are done, then he's ready for his bath, and then it's his story. I've become invisible to you. Don't be so utterly ridiculous. Is it so hard to make yourself a ham sandwich? It's not about the food, Mary. Or cheese, if you prefer. We've always got cheese, and you like cheese. I don't want a bloody cheese sandwich. I just want a bit of your time. Actually, come to think of it, I think we've run out of cheese. Yeah, I'm going out. Don't think of waiting up for me, will you? Don't slam the door! Now look what you've gone and done. You've woken Angel mid-nap. All right, darling. Mummy's coming up. Mummy's coming. It's all right, love. As I bathed Angel that evening, I was overcome with a sudden surge of guilt. Ted was such a good man, and I'd neglected him terribly. I'd not cooked him a hot meal for over two years, and this was the first time he'd complained. I tipped a capful of oil artem into the bath and watched the water instantly cloud. Softly, as I sponged the foggy mixture over Angel's little body, I decided that I would make Ted a bread and butter pudding. I would use cinnamon and brown sugar, and I'd mix the eggs with double cream, not just milk, for that extra special taste. I ran my hand over Angel's slippery back. The oil artem had glazed him, and that's when I felt the bumps. I slid my hand across his upper back once more, at first I thought Angel's shoulder blades were sticking out because of the way he was curved over, playing so intently with the blue whale. But as I leaned forward, I could see that the bumps were, in fact, perfect little mounds just above his shoulder blades. And the top of each mound was covered with a damp down, like a chick freshly hatched. 
I tried not to show my alarm to Angel for fear of upsetting him, but he must have sensed my horror as he began to cry. I reached for Blue Whale and swept him under the bath and pretended to save Mr Lego Man. I splashed the water to distract him. His cry increased and so I lifted my little eel of a son from the bath and held him to me until his sobbing subsided and he slipped into sleep. Dr. Godfrey. Morning, Mrs. Brown. Do take a seat. Now, how can I help you today? Well, thank you for seeing me so quickly, Dr. Godfrey. I wouldn't normally take the emergency slot, but you see, this is an emergency. That's just fine, Mary. Now, what seems to be the problem? It's Angel. You know, my son, Angel. Yes, Mary. Now, just take your time. Well, he's got these growths on his back, these bumps. It's sort of like... Feathers coming out of them, small feathers. Calm down, Mary. Now, where is young Angel? He's sleeping in his pram. He's had a fretful night, you see, and Barbara at reception is watching him for me. I, I do hope you don't mind. Not at all, my dear. It's not right, Dr. Godfrey. Something's terribly wrong with my little boy. I've waited all these years to have a child, and now there's something horribly wrong with him. I'm sure we can sort this all out, Mary. You just need to take a few deep breaths and calm yourself. Thankfully, it turned out that Angel was just fine. Dr. Godfrey explained that I'd blown everything out of proportion. I have a habit of doing that, overreacting. I was so relieved when Dr. Godfrey explained to me that Angel, as his name suggests, was an angel boy. As simple as that. Those bumps were, in fact, wing buds, like those on a chick. He told me that Angel would grow wings over time and that this should cause no major problem to him. He was very matter-of-fact about the whole thing, as if he were telling me that Angel had a virus or a cold. I came straight home to celebrate and cooked Ted a casserole with poi lentils and sausages, followed by bread and butter pudding stuffed to the hilt with raisins and spicy with cinnamon. I laid the table up with our best cutlery, drank a large glass of wine, and waited for Ted's return. It's quite simple, Ted. They're wings. Our son is what Dr. Godfrey calls an angel boy. Oh, I see. That's all right, then. This stew is lovely, Mary. There's something about the texture of these lentils that is just delicious. Thank you for this. I was so worried, Ted. It's stupid, really. I blow everything out of proportion. Do you remember when I thought I got an ulcer because I kept getting stomachache? <laughs> How could I forget? And Dr Godfrey told me it was just stress. Yes, Mary, I told her it was stress. And how I thought my eyesight was failing and... <laughs> you just needed glasses. I just needed glasses. <laughs> oh, this wine has gone right to my head. I feel quite woozy. <clears throat> Why don't you come and sit on my knee, Mary? And I'll top you up. Come on. And why do you want me to sit on your knee then, Ted Brown? Wouldn't you prefer some bread and butter pudding? Mm, difficult choice, I'll admit. But I prefer a cuddle, I think. Come on, come here. You're still as light as a feather, aren't you? Oh, flattery will get you nowhere. Let's get away, Mary. A weekend trip to Littlehampton. Why not? We, we could stay in that B&B. &B. Oh, yeah. It was lovely there. 
And you could make me another cockle necklace. Hmm. Do you remember that old tramp who lived in the bus shelter? Oh, yeah. Soles were coming off his shoes and he flapped when he walked. <laughs> and you gave him your chips because you felt sorry for him. And he was so cross because you doused them in vinegar. <laughs> Ungrateful beggar. I do love you, Mary. I can't believe we've got an angel baby dead. It's quite amazing, really. Dr. Godfrey says that they're very rare, you know, and that we are blessed. Did you, did you hear what I said, Mary? When? Just now. I can't really remember, Ted. It's the wine. I said, I love you. Oh, it's... It's story time. I nearly forgot. Put the dishes in the sink, Ted, and help yourself to some pudding. Mummy's coming, Angel! Mummy's coming, darling! Angel's wings grew slowly over the next couple of years. To start with, they were very soft, and the feathers were the pale yellow of buttermilk. They were easy to disguise under any top as they lay flat against his back, and the feathers curved protectively around his tiny waist. Without clothes, my angel looked as if he were wearing a perfect feather cloak. By his fifth birthday, they were long and reached the back of his knees. The feathers were now of pure white, and the time had come for Angel to start school. I'd been out shopping to get what he needed, and behind his bedroom door now hung a small, navy wool blazer. His shoes were polished and ready for his square, chubby feet. There was a cap to squash down his unruly curls, and a small leather satchel for his pencil and rubber. This all waited patiently for morning for Angel's big day. I knew I couldn't keep him to myself forever. Angel needed friends, and I knew he would have many, that they would come back to our house for tea and sleepovers, and that they would marvel at their special winged friend. Angel was growing up. I flung the bedroom windows wide open and let the cool night air drift slowly in. Angel gently lifted his bedding from his hot body clambered from his bed and moved towards the source of the breeze, his wings hanging free behind his tiny frame. He stood for a moment, then quick as lightning, mounted the window ledge and stepped out into the night. His wings swept open swan wide and the soft rush of air swept the hair back off my face and I stood and watched my son fly. Instinct told him what to do. He was an angel boy after all. He circled above the garden, gliding mostly, then, with a few wing beats, caught the thermals and rose upwards again. As he passed by the window, he smiled broadly and I could see his dimples. Around and around he went, maybe twenty times, and then he turned and flew straight away from me towards the coast. His shape lost its form until he was merely a speck. And then... Nothing. The sky was ink black. And the silence deafening. I can't go on any longer, I'm so tired. 
When you feel the next contraction, you must push, Mary. Push as hard as you can. I don't think I can do this. Oh. Just one more big push, Mary. That's all it needs and you will have your baby. Oh, my God. Oh. Good, Mary. That's it. Keep pushing. Oh. Keep pushing, Mary. Come oh. on. Don't stop now. Yes. Oh. Yes, Mary. Keep oh. going. Your baby is coming. Oh. You're nearly there. Oh. Here he comes. Oh. Your last push. Oh. Well done, Mary. When Angel came into my life, our lives, it was a terrible day. Absolutely terrible. This little bundle with tiny wrinkled fingers. My Angel. Our hospital room was full of lilies with their sickly stench, their heavy heads bowed down in sadness. The nurses came and went, strangely I can't remember any of their faces. I'd waited all my life for this day, and now I wished it had never come. He was a perfectly beautiful baby boy, but he was stillborn. Mary refused to accept it, that we never take him home. I hoped she'd be all right, but she just wasn't. She shut me out and lived in this imaginary world and there was no room for me anymore. It was just her and Angel. She spent hours, literally hours and hours, in his bedroom talking to him, telling him stories. She made pots of food. We had this big chest freezer in the garage and it was packed full with these little jars of vegetable puree. Hundreds of jars of homemade baby food that would never be eaten. She wouldn't even go to the funeral. She refused. So it was just me, the vicar, and Angel in his tiny coffin. She was having none of it. Look, I can't make you come, but you really ought to. You'll regret it in the future. You need to say goodbye, love. Say goodbye? What on earth do you mean? I can't just drop everything here. I've got Angel to think of now. I've got responsibilities. I'll... I'll see you later then. And uh, keep the noise down when you come in in case he's asleep. Look, Mary... Bye then, Ted. Bye, Mary. And that's how it was. I hoped and prayed that in time she would snap out of it, come back to me. But it went on for years. Normal life just stopped. She never even cooked. Well, apart from the veg pots, that is. No, no, I, I tell a lie. She cooked me one meal. In, in five years, she made one meal for me. And that was a bloody disaster. And then this business with the wings started. 
That's when I called Dr. Godfrey. Give her time, Ted. This kind of loss can do terrible things to a woman. Hang on in there. I'm seeing her first thing in the morning, and I'll see what I can do. Thanks. Any time. Any time. Dr. Godfrey, before you go, what I wanted to say was that this kind of loss can do terrible things to a man too, you know. It's not just my son that I've lost. I'm so sorry that I can't do more. I'm writing a book, you know. I'm very pleased to hear that. Keeping busy is the key. Fill your days to the brim and then hopefully there's no room left for the pain. Yes. Thanks for the advice. If you need me, just call. Thank you. More than welcome. After her doctor's trip, I came home that evening to a cooked meal. And it was so lovely. We even had wine. Mary seemed relaxed and, dare I say it, a little bit flirtatious. I hoped and prayed that things would now get better. Then she started banging on about the wings. I told her I loved her and she never even heard me. It was then that I gave up all hope. At least I got some bread and butter pudding to look forward to. But do you know what she'd gone and done? She baked bread, butter and raisins. Nothing else. No brown sugar, no eggs, no milk, not even a hint of cinnamon. Just bread and butter with burnt, bloody raisins all over the top. The final straw came when I found the bank statements. Mary, why have you spent £400 on a school uniform? What a very silly question, Ted. It's for Angel, of course. He starts school tomorrow, in case you'd forgotten, which you obviously have. The blazer alone cost £100. It's pure wool. £100 for a blazer for a child that doesn't exist. And what's this? Shoes, 40 pounds. Satchel, 50 quid. 50 quid for a bag that will never be used. What are you talking about? He'll need to carry his pencils and all his books, won't he? Mary, he will not need anything because he is not real. Angel is not alive. He is dead. Dead and lying under a small cox's apple tree in the churchyard. Are you listening, Mary? We can't go on like this. I am... Simply not going to stand here and listen to this drivel, Ted. I'm going upstairs to tell Angel his bedtime story. He's got school in the morning and I need to settle him for the night. There's bread and butter pudding in the oven, if you're interested. I turned off the oven, went up to my bed, and that's when I heard Mary calling, Angel! She was shouting, Angel! 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 Angel, wait for me! I'm coming too, Angel. I sat on our front doorstep waiting for the ambulance to arrive to collect my wife's body. I don't know what they thought they would do with her. 
She was broken and smashed on our front patio. The police came too, of course. They cordoned off the area where Mary had landed with garish red and white tape and told me not to go near. Something about contaminating evidence. I took my book from my pocket and handed it to them. It contained all they'd need to know. And then they left with my Mary. The night was ink black and the silence deafening. In the morning, I found my old scrubbing brush from under the sink and filled a bucket with warm, soapy water. I went out to the front of the house to scrub Mary's bloodstains from the York stone slabs. She never liked a mess. I dipped the brush into the suds, dipped and scrubbed, dipped and scrubbed until the water pinked through and the bubbles on top slowly subsided and disappeared. The bucket water stilled and in its mirrored surface I saw the reflection of a bird and as I turned my head skyward saw an angel cut across the blue. Swan-wide wings beat slowly and the soft rush of air swept the hair back off my face. An angel wrote in the book of life my baby's date of birth, then whispered as she closed the book, too beautiful for earth. Angel was written by Zaley Burrow. Mary was played by Claire Skinner and Ted by Jamie Glover. The Doctor was played by Andrew McBain and the Midwife by Beth Eyre. The music was composed and played by Isabel Hirschman and recorded by Samuel Hirschman. Sound recording was by Beth Eyre and the editing and post-production by Graham Donnelly. Angel was directed by Cherry Cookson. Visit wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk for more audio downloads.